We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Nosotros crecemos cuando damos. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. Welcome to ROG, Return on Generosity. I'm your host, Shannon Cassidy. This podcast celebrates generosity at work, not financial giving. Giving valuable time, mutual respect, alternative perspectives, and genuine collaboration. Our special guest today is Steve Drum. Steve is a combat-tested retired Navy SEAL Master Chief who has 27 years of experience leading and developing high-performance teams. Steve has trained and led U.S. and foreign partner special operations forces on high-risk and strategically vital missions across the globe, including combat operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. He co-developed and taught warrior toughness training for the U.S. Navy, and this vital program fundamentally changed the culture of the Navy and how it trains and prepares young sailors and officers for the acute stress of intense combat operations. We met at Heroic Public Speaking and have been dear friends ever since. What I appreciate most about you, Steve, is your sense of humor and your deep commitment and loyalty to the people that you care about. You joined us on ROG episode 18, and since then you've written an awesome book that we will learn about today called Life on the X, a Navy SEAL's guide to meeting any challenge with courage, confidence, and readiness. Welcome back to ROG, Steve. Well... Shannon, it is great to see your face. It is great to be back. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. I'm grateful that you're here and that you're going to share this gem with us. When does the book come out, Steve? Yeah, so I had to put it through the office of the Department of Defense Office of Pre-Publication Review. And as of this recording, it's been a week since they approved it with no redactions, which is awesome. And so we actually had to push the launch date back until March. So we're looking at the first week of March to launch the book. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to celebrate big and get the word out about this awesome book. Thank you for sending me a copy to review in advance of this interview. It's awesome. The title of it is Life on the X. What does that mean? Right. So the X refers to a military doctrine term. You think of it almost as X marks the spot. So if we are, for example, in the SEAL teams, fast roping out of a helicopter onto the rooftop of a building we're assaulting, we refer to that as landing on the X itself. But we also use it anytime we may be patrolling down the street, whether in vehicles or on foot, in the woods, and the enemy ambushes us and has us in that kill zone. We refer to that as the X. In that case, the popular term is, hey, we got to get off the X, right? We got to maneuver, we got to withdraw. But that X is really the most vital, often the most dangerous part of a combat operation for us. And it's which we gear our training to. We benchmark our training for those moments because if we can thrive, if we can succeed on the X in those extreme moments, then everything else is gonna happen. It's gonna be more routine. It's gonna happen more seamlessly. So that serves as the metaphor for the book, Life on the X, because It may not be life or death, right? Nobody's getting shot at or killed, but it could be, you know, your job, your career, uh, a sales pitch, an important client call, a a relationship. It could be something in your personal life as well. It could simply just be a moment, an event, a situation that's really, really important to you. And so why not 
in advance of that moment, set the table for success by being deliberate with how you prepare, how you bring your A game, how you handle those curveballs. Mm, love that. And your subtitle here is you're saying that we're going to meet those challenges with courage, confidence, and readiness. Why those three things? Well, one is, you know, obviously courage, right? Because doing hard stuff is not easy. And so if we want to really bring our A game, if we want to be exceptional in what we do, if whether it's as a parent, whether it's as a business leader, then we've got to take we've got to be willing to take some risks sometimes. We've got to be willing to put it out there and we've got to be willing to do the hard stuff. And mm. when we go into a situation, a difficult situation, the higher level of confidence, confidence that's earned, earned by the work we put in, the higher level of confidence earned when we go into a situation, the higher chances we have of performing at our best, of being able to seize opportunity where it exists. And readiness really is that state. You know, for you know, SEAL Platoon that goes overseas, we're always, as you prepare the train up before you deploy, you start to increase your level of readiness. And it's actually a, a, a formal certification process. So you're deemed ready. And so you want to get to all the points where you're considering all the facets of being prepared. It's right, it's, it's all the logistics, it's contingencies, it's knowledge, it's skill building. So when you have a state of readiness for those most important moments and situations. Mm. Thank you for that. And like, how would you define the difference between readiness and like paranoia, right? Or like over preparation or, you know, because some people I think might think about those things more in an anxiety type of a state. You're talking about it, making it second nature. You don't even have to think about it because you've been so prepared. Well, the one thing to think of, what I always like to go are the, the humans that are the most tested, that have to perform under the highest levels of pressure in front of thousands, if you consider TV and millions of people, are, are professional athletes, are Olympians, right? And they have to have a certain level of focus that is one thing in training, right? When you're in training, you're focusing so much on technique, you're focusing so much on output, but in an ideal situation, the second you arrive in that moment of competition, you launch from that starting box as, a, as an Olympic swimmer, you take to the, you get up to bat as a professional baseball player, you want to have a certain level of flow state, right? We talk about this when we do professional speaking, right? You want to, you want to nail down to a high level of detail, your script, but then when you take the stage, you're going to put that away and all of the training that you put in will simply come into that flow state where you don't have to think about exactly what you're doing, what you're saying, but you are completely attuned. You're completely focused, present, and aware and able to connect with the situation that lies in front of you. Mm, so great. And a large part of your book, which I loved, was on mental skills and mindfulness training. And like you're saying, that is something we can absolutely associate to soldiers, athletes, these high-performance people. How does this relate to generous business leaders, entrepreneurs, everyday folks? Right. No, that's, that's a great question. We, again, associate soldiers and athletes with having the mental skills, right? And some of the mental skills that, that I teach primarily are mental rehearsal, which is our ability to put ourselves in that moment. Like an athlete will do that in advance of their moment of competition, 
they will visualize, but they will make it. To make it super effective, they will consider it in two ways. One, they'll make it vivid, meaning they'll use their senses, what they hear, what they feel, what they see, what they smell, to make it as realistic as possible. And two, when they're doing this exercise, this visualization, they're only gonna focus on what they can control, meaning they're gonna focus on themselves executing the procedures and the sequences exactly how they were trained, exactly how they prepared. The second piece is self-talk. We often underestimate the power that our thoughts have in terms of influencing our behavior, our actions, our emotions, and we want to be able to write that script. We wanna take control of that. And it doesn't matter whether it's business situation, whether it's I'm getting ready to go home and, and address Uh, something that my high school kid has done, I need to put myself in that moment in advance to make sure I am clear at what my objective is and then I want to visualize myself executing exactly what I planned. And it's the same thing with our self-talk. Right, I am going into a situation where I'm really, really nervous. Right, it's a, it's a, it's a sales call. It's a leadership situation. I'm a new manager leading a team for the first time. All right, let me develop a self-talk performance statement that says, "Hey, this is what I know. This is what I've worked on. I'm prepared. I own this. I got this. Now let me go kick it in the butt." Right, and then the last part is what we call energy management. In the sports psychology world, it's also known as arousal control, right? But it's energy management in, let's say, if you're feeling kind of tired, lethargic, and you wanna go have a good workout in, uh, you wanna go for a run, you'll have a a playlist, right, that'll kind of elevate that energy level. But in most cases, when we're dealing with complexity, we're dealing with business, we wanna lower that stress. We want to lower that energy and we do so in a couple of ways. And one, we already kind of mentioned it. We make sure that we're prepared, we're practiced, we're rehearsed. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, here we are listening to a Navy SEAL Master Chief who's sharing this with us. When you were in these very critical moments uh, in the battlefield, did you use this technique, Steve, to stay centered? Well, here's what's funny is I really didn't learn these techniques deliberately until later in my career. So a lot of us who are successful in our career, had long careers that performed well on the battlefield, we learned certain things intuitively, some of these skills. Like to me, I never really learned the breathing technique. I never really used that. But what I did use was the mental rehearsal piece, right? When I had been away from being an operator, maybe in a training role, and I had to go back and be a leader. And the the most difficult training sometimes that we do is close quarter combat where we clear rooms at a really rapid pace. I would sit there and before it was my turn to go, I would close my eyes and I would visualize, okay, number one man, he's gonna go left. I'm gonna go right. Okay, we're gonna do this. Uh, Okay, we're gonna clear the first room. We're gonna go into the hallway, hallway. That could be open door left, closed door right, hallway ends in a T. I would visualize those things. If I was going out on a combat operation, I would mentally revisualize the contingency plans. What happens if a helicopter gets shot down? What happens if we get contacted by the enemy as soon as we land? What happens if we get contacted by the enemy halfway on the infiltration to the target, right? And lose that element of surprise. I would constantly be walking through that in my head, preparing mentally for those type of stuff. I learned that on my own, I wasn't taught that. The downside of all of those things was I didn't know how to apply it to the other areas of my life. So when I would face stress at home, I wouldn't necessarily respond in the same way. 
It wasn't until I started learning these things that I could apply them kind of more uniformly to all the areas of my life that were important. And that was a very key factor. And when I developed the Warrior Toughness Program, when I helped develop that with my colleagues and I, we put a focus on being able to apply all the techniques that we teach across the board. Mm. Tell us more about this Navy's Warrior Toughness Program that you helped to create. So we always came up with the joke set up, but we could never figure out the punchline. A Navy SEAL, a clinical psychologist, and a Navy chaplain walk into a bar, right? That was always the thing because the admiral that was in charge of recruiting people into the Navy had talked with other elements of Navy leadership and had said, hey, our sailors and our young officers are not always able to respond to stress, to missiles being fired at a ship, to collisions and fires the way we need them to should we get into a real combat situation with a, you know with our peer and near peer adversaries and so they said we got to figure this out we need to figure it out at the navy's boot camp and so i uh, that chaplain and the psychologist were tasked with creating a program based on mind body and soul right and so we had to basically define toughness which was first to be able to take a punch, to be able to take a hit and keep going, which is like, hey, I just got missiles fired at a ship, my friends are wounded, or maybe in my other areas of my life, I got passed over for promotion, I suffered loss. So I gotta be able to get back in the fight and get going. Two, I gotta perform under pressure. When the stakes are high, when there's distraction, when I'm really feeling nervous, my heart's racing, my hands are sweating, I have to be able to have enough clarity of focus and presence to be able to perform with what I've been tasked to. And three, oftentimes, whether you're talking about a a, a SEAL troop overseas doing uh, night hits every single night, the grind that that takes, but also the grind of just a monotonous deployment where somebody's watching a screen on a ship, 99.9% of the time, nothing happens. But when it does, they have to be focused and engaged. And so we built a program based on performance psychology, character development, including the lessons from the ancient and the Greek and Roman, the Stoics. And we did a lot of the stuff that we teach in the SEAL teams to plan, prepare, and execute on a combat operation. Mm, man, that is so fascinating. And it's still in in utility today. This design that you helped co-create is something that they still That's use. right. It's starting, to, it's starting to grow. It's starting to expand slowly but surely. So we yeah. created the boot camp. We demonstrated proof of concept, and now it's continuing to expand to other areas of the Navy. So exciting. What an impact. So part of your book refers to that character component, the personal beliefs, values, principles. You know, I'm a huge fan of this. My book, Vibe, the V stands for values. Tell us more about that and why that's so important, your character. And it is very important. That's why it's a large part of the book, and it's multifaceted here. Primarily, we talk about performance, You know, we talk about the X, right? It means doing hard things in difficult situations, right? And that is, if we want to be the type of person that can perform at our best, you know, it's easy to do that when, you know, the seas are calm, right? It's easy to do that when we're motivated, when we're confident, but when it gets really hard, we fundamentally gotta know something about ourselves. If we wanna be consistent in our performance, we gotta know really who we are, what we stand for, and who we aspire to be, you know, where we want to go. And from that, we have to flesh out our values, our personal beliefs, and then most importantly, we need to figure out how we live them through principled actions, right? And so I always suggest writing a, whether I'm talking about, you know, it's coaching or even in a workshop, I say, hey, you got to write a personal mission statement. 
You got to know it. You got to live it. You got to breathe it. You got to let it guide you in moments where you face that challenge and that setback. And also, you think about values, personal beliefs, and living through principle, right? If you want, especially as a leader, if you want to garner trust within the team, within the organization, you have to be seen by somebody that lives through principle. Otherwise, you're not making solid decisions. You're not make, you're not demonstrating authenticity and leadership. You're not demonstrating that you're fair because you may willy-nilly make a decision because it's not based on principle. It's not based on your values and beliefs. And so those are important things. Demonstrating that demonstrating trust, demonstrated, you know, value as a leader, and also just to make sure that when you face setback, you face doubt, you face failure even, that you respond in the right way. That you say, you know what, this may not, I may have made a mistake, I may have strayed from the path in who I wanna be, but it doesn't mean, that doesn't determine who I am. That failure, that setback does not determine who I am. This statement that I wrote when I was clear of thought, free of stress, that's who I am. I'm gonna get back to that. Hmm. Do you have an example of that in your own life and experience? I'm sure you do. Can you think of an example of a leader or yourself where you had to come back to that mission statement or that bigger purpose after a setback? Yeah, there were times when, I mean, I'll, I'll look at it, I'll, I'll say this, you know, when I, the, the example that I like to use is I developed these principles, right? I developed this, this the character, the skills, these type of things in, in this package that I felt really, really important and I wanted to push it out to people. And if they pay me some money to do it, I'm good with that too, right? Uh, so I retired from the Navy December, 2019. And I didn't want to have a website out before I retired. I launched the website probably January. Well, what happens? COVID hits. And I was brand new to speaking. I put so much of my time and effort into crafting a speech from the stage. And so I, unlike many of our colleagues and friends, I was not able to adapt like I wanted to. I was not able to pivot and adjust to the virtual world. And so I, I had a moment of just like wringing my hands of just being like, you know, feeling sorry for myself as I'm ripping up checks. And then it, a couple things occurred to me. One is like, you're not living the values and beliefs. You're not living principles that you espouse, the principles that you want for yourself. And there's a way for you still to spread value whether or not it's what you want to do, because more important than the deliverable of getting on stage, more important is that you're sharing with the world things that you think can help other people. And so I reached out to, to prior clients and I said, hey, I'm not looking to be paid. Can I offer some value to on your weekly calls? I know what it's like to deal with this level of adversity and unplanned change, and so I can help. And so I did, and through that I found a renewed sense of purpose. And it gave me something mm. to do. And, and I had to say, no, this is not who you are. This is who you are. Get to be in that. Mm. Thank you for that example, Steve. This is, this is the kind of stuff that I love about you. Just you, You're so real and transparent and you just take it, help us to relate to you. And what you're saying here is that you wanted to be of service. You wanted to be generous. Like that's part of how you are who you are. So when you didn't have the right avenue or the avenues that you had were then closed, you had to find another way. So you did it 
in this way, it actually, you wanted to help them, but here's the return on generosity. It ended up helping you stay in the game and be true to yourself and realign with your principles. So I love that example. So there's a whole section in your book called Reflect. As generous leaders, what can you share with us about the value of prioritizing reflection? Right, so one of the things that I think, you know, I I talk a lot, I offer military stories, but I'll be the first one to tell you that despite the fact that I spent 27 years in the military, I do not think that everything can apply. But one thing that the military does really, really well that I'd like to see more people in the business world adopt is our methods for gathering, for processing, distilling down to actionable steps, our experiences, our lessons learned. And the military does really well with that. They have a process called after action review. So after comprehensive, whether it's training exercises, major combat operations, they will draft an after action report that fleshes out lessons learned from every level of leadership and operations all the way up to the top. Even when we are not doing that, we send two people in to clear a room, you know, SWAT team style, shooting targets, whole thing takes 20 seconds. We debrief the heck out of it to make sure that everything, we, we find, we squeeze value out of every situation. And I would like to see people do that more. And so I, one of the things I talk about is being brilliant on the basics is, you know, rather than always chasing this shiny, sexy object, that is instead you look at what are some very basic things that you need to pursue mastery on. And one of those is creating a framework for how you, you, after a sales call, after a team meeting, that you have a framework for distilling down those lessons learned, right? And it's not just the things that we are embarrassed by, Right, it's not, but it's also when we enjoy a period of success, we need to make sure that we continue to look for ways to improve and to grow. And the third part of that is we need to make sure that we separate some of the baggage that comes from both success in the form of complacency, taking our foot off the gas, and failure. Oftentimes, we carry baggage of regret, we have baggage of failure that can weigh us down. And we need to be able to say, okay, just like Bruce Lee famously said when he came to looking at all these martial arts, he said, I'm going to take what is useful, I'm going to discard the rest. After every experience you have, nine times out of ten, there's always some value there. Grab the value, translate it, distill it to actionable steps for the future, and free yourself from all the other garbage. Flush it down the toilet because it doesn't serve you. So when we're doing these after-action reviews, which I absolutely agree is something that's not common and very valuable, and you're saying that we should have a framework for how we do that. Yeah, and so let's say, for example, you know, I get done giving a speech, and I will say one of the things we learned about is be very critical with how you analyze certain things. So let's say you give a speech and it doesn't go, you don't feel that it landed how you wanted it to land. Well, two things you have to look at. One, did I execute the plan exactly how I intended to? We say in the military, right? Did we dive our plan, right? Did we, we have this comprehensive plan for navigating to the target underwater? Well, did I do that? And if I didn't hit my target, did I execute the plan perfectly or did I not execute the plan perfectly and that's why I failed? Maybe the plan wasn't the right plan, meaning maybe the content for that speech was not the right content for that audience or maybe my content itself needs work, but I did it exactly how I rehearsed it. 
And so you have to analyze and assess those two different things. When you don't meet with the success, you gotta know it's because you didn't mm -hmm. put enough work in, you didn't develop the right skills, or the whole plan needs reworking because that's two separate interventions depending on, on what that is. And so simply, you know, let's say mm -hmm. for example, you get out of a sales call, you're like, all right, what did I do? I didn't, let's say I didn't meet my ultimate objective. Okay, but I did get a commitment for a follow-on engagement, a follow-on conversation with that person, whether it's a doctor in pharmaceutical sales, I got a commitment. Okay, so what? Do I, let's, let's distill, let's dissect that down and say, all right, what did I execute well? What did I, uh, what needs, still needs some work? And it's very, very basic stuff. But I think the point is, is you get in a habit of sometimes stepping out of that noise, stepping out of that traffic and checking in with yourself. And that's formally and informally, right? You have that framework, let's say it's a conference. What did I learn? Who are my contacts? Where can I go from here? How does this inform my future steps, right? And so again, just getting in the habit of yep. doing that. Mm, love that. And when it comes to execution, you talk about these three critical things. You tell us to focus on self and situational awareness the variable focus and the poison agility. Could you just briefly talk about those three things? Absolutely, and so we talked before, like I, my everything up to that point in the book accounts for the fact that you're a true professional, that you're reading this book and you've gone through this book and you're committed to excellence, you're committed to raising your game. And so when you get there, you've set the table for success already, so I just want you to consider these three areas. One is that self-situational awareness. And I, and I do a lot of work for sales folks, and so a lot of times you have the plan, right? You have the game plan, you have the agenda for that conversation, for that call. And you're so excited, you're enthusiastic, or maybe you're desperate because your numbers aren't looking good, and you go in there and you're ready to vomit forth that agenda. But you often miss the opportunity because you don't stop and say, all right, well, am I, vomiting forth an agenda on this person or am I reading the situation, am I reading this person and what they have going on right now and instead thinking about, okay, let me set aside that agenda and make sure I'm doing exactly what brings the most value to this conversation, to this relationship and to both of our objectives. Two, we wanna be able to vary that focus. Sometimes we, we talk, we're details, we're like getting out what we need to get out, this person needs to walk away here and this, but again, we need to say, all right, let me stop. Are they picking up? Are they connecting with what I'm saying? Do they understand what I'm saying? And most importantly, is this path that I'm going on right now in overall, in support of my overall objectives at that macro level? So we want to toggle switch between that micro to that macro level, especially important in leadership. You, you can't get stuck in the weeds. You have to be micro-informed and macro-aware. And third, Poison agility, right? That poison agility, when you get there and, and you're feeling that pressure, your hands are sweating, your heart's racing, it's being able to say, okay, I've done everything I did, right? We talked about that performance statement, performance statement about knowing our stuff. Let's remember, before we walk through that door, out onto that X, let's remember that we're professionals. Let's remember that we're committed to the objective and we've done everything we need to do to be prepared and confident going into that situation. And you tell yourself, that you're prepared. And you also tell yourself, guess what? Today's the day I get thrown a curveball, and you know what? Good. Good because it's my opportunity to demonstrate that leadership, that poise, that adaptability, and that flexibility. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. That's the growth mindset of a warrior that we can all be in our own lives when we're confronted with obstacles and challenges that we can welcome that as a chance for us to grow, to learn, to get even stronger. So rather than being ashamed of it or, you know, concerned about it, we could really use it as an opportunity for growth. So I want to recap some of these highlights, Steve, for our listeners, because when we think about how we can apply what we've learned to our own work and life, our ROG takeaway tip, a couple of things I'm hearing here. One is on the mental skills. I think for all of us to think about mental rehearsals for those high stakes moments, for those moments that matter, to do that self-talk, to think about what is, what am I saying when I'm talking to myself and how could I improve that language? And when you talked about energy management and recalibrating our breathing, that's something all of us can practice every single day. And then the big takeaway tip that I want to challenge all our listeners with is the personal mission statement. The big challenge is to ask everyone to create a personal mission statement, to think about who am I, what do I stand for, and how am I going to hold myself accountable to that? So thank you so much, Steve, for sharing this wisdom. Thank you for writing the book so that we have a way to dig into this and I can just see my copy all, hand, you know, with my marks all over it, my highlights. Um, everyone, I will make sure that you have access to the link to, to buy Life on the X, a Navy SEALs guide to meeting any challenge with courage, confidence, and readiness. Where else can our listeners find you, Steve? Go to my website. Thank you, Shannon. Go to my website. It's stephendrum.com, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. D-R-U-M.com. Uh, you can email me if you want to have a conversation about leadership or any of this stuff. It's Steve at stevendrum.com. And uh, you can, there's a book page, a book page on my website, and you can um, stand by for updates if you want. Beautiful. Oh, well, thank you for being who you are, for being a friend, and for joining us on ROG. Thank you so much, Shannon. Been a real pleasure. Thanks for listening to ROG, Return on Generosity podcast. Please help us grow by subscribing and reviewing us on your favorite podcast player. And for more information, visit bridgebetween.com. We grow when we give. We grow when we give. We grow when we give.